Hello, Path Folk, and welcome to Find the Past actual play of the Hell's Rebels Adventure Path, Rumor Mill number five. Woohoo! Five! Woo! I think Yay. I actually did that in the right order for once. I think so. <laughs> I don't know. Actually, you're I very close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm here and I have things to say, and that's all I know. We <laughs> all <Excellent>. do. <laughs> we all have a lot of things to talk about. I don't know why I'm suddenly reminded of like Forrest Gump when he's doing his speech, and I have a thing to say, and it just goes dead. All right. Mm. Rachel getting her '90s reference in before the one-minute mark. True. <laughs> this is unprecedented. But yes, this rumor mill is for Hell's Rebels episodes 13, 14, and 15. They were dark episodes. At least the first two yeah. were. Yeah. Lucky number 13. Episode 13. Tooth fairies, y'all. God, I hate them so much. <laughs> Tooth fairies. Um, in episode fairies. 13, we went to the closed bar, the Belial's Brew House, which I love that name, by the way. True. I'm like, yes. Uh-huh, and we we fought Tooth Fairies for the first time in second edition, where the little word that Rick won't let me say on the podcast are swarms now. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> yeah. Not going to lie, that was unexpected. <laughs> Two small things, actually. On that, one slight dig at Paizo, and I don't necessarily blame considering how many maps are already in this book. There was no map for this encounter. Oh, really? Oh, really? Which is why, actually, Blyle's Brewhouse was an addition that I made to it. I believe, as written, it's just a... We just encounter a Tooth Fairy Swarm on the street? Well, you actually can. There's a... You can wait around for them to finally attack you, although other people might be killed in the process. That's yeah, uh, we were, we were kind of trying to avoid that. But yeah, you can track them back to their lair, which I believe is an abandoned building. Um, I just made it a brew house because I found it was really easy to find tavern mm-hmm. maps oh, available fair. online. And so I was like, <laughs> that, works. that works. And uh, yeah, I like true. the... Uh, I'm a big fan of alliteration, so Blyle's brew house worked yeah. pretty well for but me. But hey, good call on the name. Bravo. I just liked the layout. It reminded me of the place where I had my bachelorette party at. It was cool. Nice. Mm. Oh, yeah, Meddlesome Moth. Shout out yeah. to Meddlesome Moth. Oh, yeah. Well, and and Stan Lee was also a big fan of the alliteration, so, you know, well, yeah. you can get behind that. And as far as the Tooth Fairies are concerned, individual Tooth Fairies are still a creature. Yep. Yep. Their challenge rating negative one, a Tooth Fairy Swarm is a challenge rating three. That's why the, yeah, the that felt like one it. girl was able to squeeze its head off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they, they only have eight hit points. I do like the way Swarms work in second edition better than first edition, oh where my God. it's not... Okay, we're we don't have any area effects or anything, so we're completely SOL. Yeah. At least now you can do a little bit of damage with weapons, even if it's still a fight of attrition. It's better yeah. than yeah. nothing. Mm-hmm. Say, Vittorio was not able to get much in. It's better than everybody sits around and waits for the wizard to have a turn. Wizard. Yeah, I don't actually <laughs> think Cesare has any area effect spells. I don't think you've ever cast one, no. Cesare needs to go shopping. You need to get burning hands. <laughs> Yeah, but setting buildings on fire and all that kind of stuff is is not... We're not that kind of a rebellion. <laughs> you know? yeah, it is yeah. frowned upon. <laughs> there are resistances. This creature did have some resistances. Um, actually, it had resistance against bludgeon, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but its bludgeoning was only two, whereas its piercing and slashing were five. <laughs> so. Nicolo smash. But I, I do like that it's, you know, hey, here's a swarm. The wizard is actually probably still going to be more efficient at killing them, especially if he has fireball. I threw a snowball at them. Yeah, but if, if you had an area effect, uh, or if you guys had an alchemist in the party that could throw some splash yeah. weapons at it, yeah, you'd be doing more, but you still managed to handle your own against it regardless. True. True. 
I don't know how much of it left in, but uh, I mostly was joking about it being tooth fairies, and then it just became one thing after another tooth fairies. Uh, to the point that even Rachel was like, did I crit fail? This <laughs> I, I thought I did. But then I was like, when thinking about it, like going through everything, I'm like, wait, no, this makes sense. It what? was the nasty, smelly <laughs> dust. It was the nasty, smelly I powder. I hate them yep. so much. Uh, you guys did manage to avoid being affected by its three action ability. Mm. Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, it is a special ability called pry, oh. uh, like which it. is where they pry out the victim's teeth. I don't like it. Wait, all of them? It doesn't specify, but judging <laughs> by the amount of damage it does, I would say a lot of them. Ugh. One like enemy it. within the swarm space takes 46 points of bludgeoning damage. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Base reflex save. On a failed save, the target takes two persistent bleed damage and a minus one status penalty to charisma-based skill checks and must succeed at a DC-5 flat check to cast a spell with a verbal component or the spell is disrupted. The penalty and spellcasting condition lasts for one day or until Whoa. the stolen tooth is returned to the target and the target is healed by at least one hit point. All right, one tooth, it sounds like. The stolen mm. tooth. I don't know. That's a lot of damage. Yeah, but you can't cast spells... Because your mm. mouth is just too full of blood. That's not pulling the tooth out. That's ripping your jaw That's... open to get to the tooth. Yeah, because yeah. again, you could see how much damage they did to every body when they were using that. Well, actually, Monsters. we only got to see the damage they did to but, one body yeah. because they cremated all the other ones before we got a chance. Mm. Undead. I did a very thorough report. <laughs> so <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> you can see it on our Also, you got to do notes. your medical examiner stuff, which was neat. But after the fight with the tooth fairies, we found the body of a young tiefling boy who was wrapped in sinew like a mummy, and uh, apparent and all the yeah. tooth fairies had come from his teeth. So somebody intentionally created the tooth fairies that are murdering everyone. When I was originally doing my research for the share lore, I don't remember the tooth bursting thing being a oney thing. If I remember correctly, it's more of a two-y thing. I don't don't quote me on that, but I don't remember seeing it for one-y. Yeah, I don't believe it was. I believe it's in two. I think believe it's in two-e where they actually discuss that. But yeah. again, two-e does a lot more to kind of explore the uh, mythology behind certain creatures. Yeah. Well, it, it probably How ties in, in with the fact that that's why people used to either throw away the teeth or burn the teeth of children when they would lose them because. You know that you know that's a part of you. You can you you can use bits of yourself to to do magic, whether it's hair or teeth or whatever. And True. since you know children are yeah. are young and vibrant, you know that's that's a big powerful magic Dresden. thing. So they they yeah they used to burn teeth in certain cultures. And uh, whenever I find whoever did that to that kid, I I don't know what Nicola is going to do, but I don't think it's going to be pleasant. Oh, that's uh, definitely a no quarter situation. Are Absolutely. we gonna rip all their teeth out? I don't know if he's gonna them. go that far. I'm not say, Nicolo uses yeah. a somewhat bludgeoning weapon. He could just knock them all out with his uh, sneak attack. Sneak attack to the jaw. Yeah. <laughs> eh, I'm okay with that. That hurts. I will yeah. say, uh, I did appreciate there There was some very subtle, but very powerful delivery there from Ross. So I did appreciate well, your you. uh, your portrayal of that for Nicolo. The, it hit very close to home for reasons possibly beyond what uh, everyone else in the party may be aware of with Nicolo's backstory. And at the very least, being able to uh, sympathize with the plight of this child before. Yeah. You can't reference things that the rest of us don't know, Rick. It's not fair. Ross delivered very well on the role play, and I think it was a very strong character moment for Nicolo. So I appreciate Thank that. Thank you. It, was, it yeah. wasn't until the following episode where uh, 
He did the whole like wrapping the child in his cloak, but yeah. Yeah, and then episode fourteen, we found the basement of Gross, where uh, in yeah. baskets there were basically the remnants of people, and all of their tendons had been harvested. It was gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that it's was. It's one terrible. of those moments that we don't have often. We're like, I'm actually grossed out. Because like we we we're not especially descriptive with a lot of this stuff, but like it's hard not to describe the grossness. <laughs> we have to know what happened in order to fix it. So yeah, but it's like oh, that is like I was just sitting there, I was like imagining this. I'm like oh, somebody's gonna be like, dude, that is that is super gross. And it's like yeah, it is. Well, yeah, because we like brought a boy and a couple of buck baskets of people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no other way hey, to put Straya, it. That's what it was. You're people uh, yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> i can't remember who failed the check when they looked in the ba- basket it I might think have it been was heather yeah was it cesare yeah, yeah I think it was but cesare. I did, he didn't actually throw up he just had to kind of like take a step back <laughs> yeah obviously as many people know i'm a, a big fan of horror literature and one of my favorite things in horror literature is when someone just kind of when something happens and someone just disassociates from the situation entirely where it was Cesare looked at the basket, just closed the basket, and then just walked off for a couple of moments. <laughs> True. It's like, nope. Not because that. for every for everyone else that was down in that, that basement when they saw Cesare do that was probably, I don't want to look in this basket, do I? <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. very much so. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's also the fact that it's the the elf who has been around for, you know, o- over a hundred years, more than a human lifespan, and has probably seen a bunch of stuff going, oh, that's a new one. Yeah. You, yeah. Well, and it's also, don't look in there, it won't help you. You won't no. get anything from looking in this. Yeah. Yeah. But we have someone who killed two people to take their tendons to make the sinew that the child who was also murdered to make the tooth yeah. fairies wrapped in. So someone yeah. killed three people cultists but we don't even know the third one because there was only two missing tiflings that we knew of yes so there's a third person that we don't know about yet if we can know who they are maybe they're the key right maybe yeah but yeah we don't know if they're cultists we don't know why they did it i thought we did think they were cultists we think but we're not 100 percent sure we don't there was no holy symbols or anything it was just a theory uh, I think you guys made the assumption as far as them being cultists because it was written in Aklo, which is an yeah. extraordinarily that esoteric mm-hmm. language. Yeah, that's what yeah, Victoria figured out. I appreciate that Aklo is a much harder to learn language in second edition because it is supposed to, like, it's this weird, bizarre, otherworldly language that is really only used by creepy cults and also horrible tentacle monsters like, uh, uh, I, guess, I can't remember what they call the, uh, the Abeliths now. Like, oh. Mm. Yeah, I believe that's right. I think it's a category. But uh, the main thing, I think, is that really the problem with the tiefling community and just any sort of what I feel would be the case in a lot of communities in Kentargo is that unless Mm. somebody specifically is looking out for you, nobody is. Um, So Mm -hmm. whoever this other person might be. There's a good chance we may never figure out who it was. Yeah. Well, it seems like with the Cloven Host Society, there's a lot of homeless tiflings in Kentargo. Yeah. And with everything else that goes on with House Thrun and everything else, and I have a feeling they're also kind of transient. 
so somebody was here Maybe. and they left and they didn't have any contacts here so we don't know what happened Sometimes to them. Sometimes they're coming north from Chiliax trying to get to maybe Verisha or wherever yeah. else, you know, and just mm. they leave and or something happens. The crappy thing is, is how poorly Tiflings are treated in Cantargo, which is just kind of relegated to the slum. They are treated worse outside of Cantargo. Yep. Yeah. And so you can only imagine how badly they're treated in the south. Mm. Yeah. So coming here is an escape for many of them, but it's very much as Ross said that it's you may never know who this other person was because if they didn't have family or friends to report them missing, or even if they did have some friends that just didn't want to get involved with the Tatari or anything. And yeah. because of how mutilated and everything they are, we can't even be a hundred percent sure that the other person was a Tifling. I sure. mean, yeah, I mean, they're, they're way beyond like a speak with dead or anything like that, that can help you figure that kind of detail out. Yeah. Also, I think speak with dead is a little bit more difficult in second edition. Oh, is it? True. Well, it's it higher level. Well, I, th I, th I think the prop the main problem is I think they have to have enough of their like parts of their head together to where they could. Yeah, speak, and they were like, they the were tongue and all that. Yeah, yeah, and there was nothing there. Yeah. Fourth level Fourth divine level. occult spell. Wow, it's no longer called speak with dead. It's a talking corpse now. Hmm. Bowsers. I don't like that. I like speak with dead better. Anyway. Um, we took the baskets and the boy yeah. back to the Clovenhoof Society, and they were turned over to the Asmodeans, where they were probably just burned. Oh, I don't know how the Asmodeans like... deal with that, but... Eh, cremation. It's not a great... Yeah, all the other bodies were cremated. I mean, <laughs> cremation in and of itself isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I have a feeling no. that they have no grave markers or anything like that, but... Yeah, it was uh, when we did our establishing episode, when we did the establishing shot for Niccolo, that was a big thing where it's the community came together to to bury this this victim um, that Niccolo was kind of a part of bringing the community together to bring bring up the funds. And even then, the Church of Asmodeus was not happy with having a whole bunch of Tiflings in their graveyard. Nope. Most people don't have the money to afford burial in Kentargo, and the majority of the people are cremated. I mean, I think that's also just not having a lot of space makes that a lot more common whenever, like, because the island itself is fairly well-developed and there's not a lot of just empty plots of land that you can well, use Well, the cemetery is on the mainland part. No, it's on the island. Is it on the no, island? On the island. On the yeah, mainland. all the... No, all the... Temple um, Hill and everything's on the island. Is, yeah. Yep. I don't know why, and there's probably no basis for this, but I just imagine, like, a French catacomb-style... Uh, burial like underneath Cantargo. Like I felt, feel like if you go down deep enough, you'll just find hallways of skulls. I mean, it's quite possible there's so many layers underneath Cantargo that it's like a really sad parfait. Yeah. Really sad parfait is both funny and super sad. Yeah, that was not where I was expecting that sentence to go, but. Uh... Yeah, parfait was weird. It's a little bit uh... of a trifle. <laughs> I could have gone trifle, but. Who doesn't a like depressing perfect? trifle? A lasagna, if you will. <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> I did like the imagery in... Uh, again, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I do. I did like the imagery of, of course, it's still pouring rain, and then Niccolo just kind of walking back in the rain carrying the child. It was a, it was a very poignant moment there. So lots of good Niccolo development in the last few episodes. Yep. Yeah. Depressing, well, then we got to good. meet our newest recruit, maybe, at some point, who I love a lot. Um, <laughs> whose name I can't remember, but I love her. 
Zaya. Oh, Zaya, yes. Zaya, um, yes. Yes, I did actually get a chance to speak with her some at the end of that, and in the last episode, but at the end of this episode as well. Yeah. Um, which was nice. Uh, I'm interested. I'm a little worried about her. I'm not going to lie. Um, the way <laughs> she get sort her of. To join up. Yeah, it's just the way that she sort of evaded talking about any of what she was doing right now is like, or at least any details. Obviously doing illegal stuff. Oh, yeah, no, she's definitely got a score or something coming up. She's very young, and Nicolo is sort of just like, I guess, maybe an overprotective brother or something to her. So it's okay. just like, please, please How do you don't... like this? We stalk her. No. No. Okay. And we make sure no, that she's I safe. I don't no. like that. Uh, you lost me as soon as you said stalk. Okay, yeah. we follow her around to ensure her safety. Do you That's have a high enough stalking stealth with score extra and perception store to keep up with the rogue? Because she's obviously I'm a rogue. Pretty <laughs> stealthy. <laughs> and I have a pretty good perception because I'm a wizard-based That's character. true, actually. Druids generally do have a pretty good perception. No, no promises with the dice. I'd rather just bring her in, add her to one of our teams, well, and then the team can look after but... her. I mean, I don't know, obviously. It's Rick's story and, you know, partially, you know, uh, Michael Cortez wrote the first book, right? Or Crystal am Frazier. I wrong? I thought it was Crystal Frazier. Oh, no, you're right. It was Crystal Frazier. I'm I sorry. I was going to say, Michael Cortez is doing book five of uh, Mummy's Mask. If I remember. Yeah, yes. yeah, I'm sorry. I got that confused. I was like, that head. name sounded immediately familiar, but. Yeah. But uh, so, you know, it's like Rick's story, but also, you know, Crystal Frazier's book, of course. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I have a feeling that might be a, be a seed for um, a later part of the adventure. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's a side quest. Maybe. I do love foreshadowing. Yes, but sometimes we don't know what's a foreshadow and what's just a tease. Mm. Tease is called a side shadow. It's foreshadowing that goes nowhere. Yeah, the tease, like, something fulfills the connotation a little bit. I understand. Cesare got a date. That's true. That's true. true. Congrats. (laughs) Not gonna lie, I love it. I I absolutely love it. I'm here for it. I'm ready to see this role play happen. And yes. Raven, he's going to make Raven cute little clothes, like cloaks oh, and vests. Come I on. I need art of this. <laughs> I, I appreciated the part where he got to make you the clothes for the date. That yeah, was, that was hilarious. Because I'm imagining yeah. like a montage of you trying on different clothes and him just being like, no, oh. no. Oh, and then finally it. like, yes, this. There's like a cute measuring scene, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> ah, a Taylor seduction through measurements. Wow. This conversation Sorry. got real weird, and I don't like it. You brought it up. Time you to measure the end <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, my. But And we also did our first rebellion phase at true. the end of that episode. It's true. We did do that. Yeah. I rolled badly. We learned how to rebel. Yep. yep. Mechanically. It did not go particularly well it went decent for y'all yeah, uh, i think there's yeah. some fail checks in there since it succeeded yeah chester yeah. got some recruits like in two weeks I gonna say yeah. i think we came out uh like even. net zero on the recruits yeah. if i remember right we well, lost it's just our guy. first check we're we're, we're yeah. building up the rebellion it has really been only four days guys yeah, yeah. we've been doing this for like a tiny amount of time <laughs> i mentioned a little bit about foreshadowing earlier and like i think that some of the the challenge that I've run into with this adventure that I didn't necessarily foresee where it's the adventure as written has you guys taking on these. Uh, this section is very much involved in individual missions. So, for instance, like the crackdown at Clinch Jaws, which is what we're about to talk about, is mission five. The murders in the nursery being mission number four. But I very much like to foreshadow things. The implication the book kind of goes for is, yeah, they'll probably do like one of these a week. Hmm. <laughs> 
Oh, we're way ahead of schedule. Maybe if then. I didn't mention the clinch jaws thing when you guys were, you know, of course, if I didn't mention the clinch jaws thing when you guys were walking out to uh, the coffee mm -hmm. house, that wouldn't have been a thing that you were involved in. Yeah. But because I like to foreshadow and don't like things to just immediately spring out on you, then it gets into that. Uh, this game, I feel like they they intended it to be oh, okay. They space out all of these events over a certain amount of time. Whereas with how I storytell, and I feel like how all of you have adjusted to my storytelling style, is everything is on a timeline. Everything is a time crunch. Yeah. Really, the murders in the nursery were the only things that were a constant time crunch. The uh, crackdown at Clinch Jaws also had a uh, a timing element to it, where mm -hmm. if it goes on for a certain amount of time, the uh, Datari show up and shut down the bar. So what you're saying Ooh. is that our paranoia is validated. Yeah. yeah, I suppose that's one way to look well, at it. Well, and again, it's the it's the thing where like we've all been kind of trained that when Rick tells us something, it's important. <laughs> so he's, like, he's going to eventually use draws. that against us. You know that, right? <laughs> he, he does use it against us frequently. Mm -hmm. I do nothing of the sort. But do. it's that thing where he's like he mentions Clinchjaw, and we're like that's significant in some way, and so we immediately start making plans to like handle that situation. Because well, yeah. what else are we gonna do? Sit around, work our day jobs? Lame. Yeah. So speaking of clench jaws, can can we move on to? Oh, talk that about was so that? cute. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I just had one last thing. You know, I think uh, I will say I do like all the foreshadowing though, because I think yeah. it does give us more agency in the story to go. Yes. No, let's let's actually deal with this clench jaw situation because we pass by it and see it, and it's not like clench jaw came to us one day and was like, "Hey, yeah, y'all should stop by my bar. There's a lot of fighting going on. It really I, sucks. I know I've never met you before in my life, but I need yeah. your help. No, it's you know. like in Mass Effect when you're on the elevator and then suddenly your journal ticks up that you have a side quest. Yeah. That's because it's what it's talking about on the intercom. True. The element that I like with the foreshadowing, including the foreshadowing in here, is that it also shows that it is an organic world where things are happening in this world regardless of your intervention. True. So the fact is, is Clinchjaw is having these problems regardless of whether or not you're there. And feasibly, if you take too long, the tavern shuts down Yeah. because you didn't intervene. It's the idea that uh, a quest isn't waiting to start for when you show up. Mm -hmm. yeah. Sometimes there's just things already going on in the background. There's a couple other things yeah. that I foreshadowed uh, to some of you individually, but some on the show that uh, will eventually pay off. That murder but, feasibly part of it. But episode 15 is when we go to Clinch Jaws to figure out why there's all these bar fights all of a sudden in what was previously a fairly quiet tavern. And we meet the yeah. best NPC. Yeah. Uh, well, yep, Victoria Morgar. had a meeting with her friend Morgar from the Vigitari. I mean, that was good too. And she set up a meeting and we we were very like, recruit him, please, Kay thinks now. I love how you guys want me to recruit a total stranger. Yeah, he's not a stranger to he's you. He's not a stranger. You've met you him don't know at least how, twice how on the well show. Victoria knows him. Though. We trust you. Enough you for him to, to be a contact. Like, yeah. you were definitely, yeah. In Nicola's defense, he thought at first you were just hitting on him. Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, after how awkward Victoria has been in the last couple of days, you really thought she was getting her flirt on? Nicholas sitting there is like, man, get one drink in Victoria and it's a 180 degree turnaround. <laughs> exactly. That's what he was thinking. And on the <laughs> same token, we told uh, Hanneman and Straya about the Silver Ravens and we didn't know how, Nicola had never met Hanneman before. That was literally yeah. the first time so any of us had ever him. met that man. <laughs> We heard he was a good guy. We trusted I him mean, implicitly. <laughs> Had him in so, 
Yeah, some of this might bite us in the butt, I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't know how well he knows that Tyfling chick whose name I can't remember right now. Strea? Strea. Not Strea, the other Zaya. one. Zaya. Zaya. The one that yeah. sounds a very similar name now that I think about yeah. it. Strea, I love her, though. I'm ready. She's played by Zendaya because her names are similar, and she's here <laughs> to cause trouble. I'm here for I'm, it. I'm ready for it. Mm-hmm. She's, I mean, she's I do fun. like Zendaya, so sure. Yeah, Zendaya's but, pretty amazing. But then a bar fight broke out. Ah. Uh, Yes, that yeah. was fun. And I saw the butterfly, which wasn't a yeah. butterfly. Yep, you, you indeed saw the butterfly. Again, I thought I critically failed when Rick gave me that information. I was like, a butterfly. <laughs> I've been told Thanks. about a butterfly. Great. <laughs> Super One useful. One of the fun things about the secret roles, because you, you do question yourself like, hmm, I understand that this is a you know fantastical fictional world, mm-hmm. and so these outrageous things could possibly happen. But, but what are the it? odds? Yeah. The interesting challenge with that, it didn't end up coming up before when uh, when you did the identification with the Tooth Fairy, is you have to accept also that whether or not I as the player go, Mm -hmm. huh? I now have to accept this is what I as the character think. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is that Nicola was told that, and while he may or may not believe it, he is under the impression that whoever told him that was absolutely certain of it. Like, Mm -hmm. this is important. It's like, okay, cool. But then the butterfly was the best in the whole world. Well, but moving on to the bar fight, I thought it was really interesting and kind of like having new mechanics just kind of dropped on us (laughs) as a combat and making it like a cinematic combat kind of moment. I liked it though. I liked that a lot. I thought that was real fun. Shout out. I think I shouted it out in the episode also. You did, but. This is, uh, these are not mechanics in second edition. This was me taking first edition mechanics written by friend of the show and wonderful person, Luis Loza. Love Luis. Yeah. Who wrote these for, I think it was uh, tav- like it was Taverns of the Inner Sea or one of the uh, the first edition books where I just went, eh, I'll just convert this over to Tui. I just love that you looked over at me like I have the same knowledge of all the books behind yeah, you. Yeah, Rachel definitely you. knows. <laughs> that was that was more me thinking and I was starting to like look like, I probably have it probably. on my bookshelf, but yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't want to turn around, around and away from the microphone. So I like that Raven likes to watch Niccolo beat the crap out of things. Yeah. <laughs> Can we shout out the absolutely amazing art that Sarah Goodcouch did (laughs) of Niccolo as a Simpsons character? It was amazing. Very fun fan art. Absolutely. I loved it. (laughs) Like, as it's gone on, Niccolo becomes steadily more and more like mixed martial artists like I imagine him rushing into that bar and like doing one of those like leaps where he puts his arms like under under their arm around their neck and then like body slams them down (laughs) to the ground honestly he's a brawler you know with like the the grappler you know like uh, archetype or something does the does the little rock like arm slap thing and gives him the people's elbow (laughs) (laughs) DDT let's go oh my god oh my god I mean I'd be down for casting the rock as (laughs) Nikola. I mean, he is is Matthew McFadden, but I could see it. I could see it. But uh, just give give him the eyebrow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I have to say, if I built him in first edition, he might be some weird like brawler slayer mix or something. I don't know. Snake bite brawler. You would still get sneak attack, but you would have all the other brawler stuff. Interesting. Ooh, that'd be cool. But uh, yeah, yeah, I had a lot of fun running the uh, the this more cinematic combat where it's just you're running around you know positioning didn't really matter quite as much you're tackling people you're doing all the rest of this it reminded me a little bit of uh, back in the day running things for like white wolf where you don't yeah. even have a map oh, you're yeah. just like mm-hmm. yeah you know it's like okay well i want to attack this guy all right well you leap forward you slide over the counter you pick up a chair you slam him over the head with it etc <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Man. I was concerned about the bartender because I was like, oh man, this mm. guy dead? No, he was asleep. And then I was like, Fortunes, shenanigans yeah. are afoot. I was going yeah. to say, that was the moment that it's like, wait a second, something's not normal here. No mm -hmm. one sleeps through a bar fight. Especially yeah. their bar where yeah. I don't yeah, right. know if like property insurance is a thing in, in Contargo. Yeah, he wouldn't be drunk, you're right. <laughs> well, and if he was drunk, that wouldn't be sleeping. That would just be unconsciousness. Yeah. <laughs> That's how that works, yeah. Yeah. But we did catch sight of the mysterious butterfly and follow it oh, backstage. It was so good. Butterfly in the sky. Yeah. Yes. Now we have a new friend for the rebellion. Oh, such a good friend. Yes. I'm so excited about fairy dragon yep. friend. The fairy dragon Vindelfeck. Mm -hmm. So we need to get a second location pronto. Yeah, sure. Just saying. Because that little what, fairy dragon lair? is going to cause get so much havoc <laughs> if he mm -hmm. is bored. And Laria is going to kick us out. That that is that is what is going to happen. Yeah, I would and prefer I think you not said, to have Rick, that. that we, he's an he's an uh, addition to a team that like buffs the team or whatever. So the way the Vindelfeck works is he's almost like you can add him on to one of your existing teams. Oh. So instead of being like a, I'm a standalone thing or anything like that, you can add him on to one of your existing teams, and then he provides an additional action that that team can hmm. can yeah, use during the cool. action phase. So he does. Uh, he provides them the ability to use the spread disinformation. And so you can actually add them to any group. So, for instance, if you had a group that was a martial group, that's like, well, usually they go around and they stab things. As we're just like, well, we've added on a fairy dragon, and now whenever we don't want you to go around and stab people, you can spread this information because the fairy dragon's not in charge, but the very least assisting you. Nice. Mm. Oh, I love him so Fun. much. Yeah. Yeah, and fairy dragons in second edition are they're interesting, where they've gone a little mm. bit more into them. You know, first off, it's the common thing with them where they're uh, fey. They are not fey. They are dragons. They are not fey, despite being called fairy dragons, mm -hmm. and despite oftentimes living in the first world. But they are 100% actually dragons. They just oh, kind of so look fey-like with the whole butterfly wings. And well, stuff. Yeah, yeah, they have a whole fey-like motif going for them, and it's why they're commonly mistaken for actually being fey, but they will correct yeah. you and inform you that they are, in fact, great inheritors of dragonkind. I will say, I don't think any of you rolled high enough for this. My favorite thing about fa the fairy dragons is not even one of their abilities, it's part of their lore. Where as fairy dragons grow older, from what I gather, they live as long as regular dragons. Hmm. Wow. Jeez. Do they keep growing the entire time like a normal dragon Here's would? the fun thing. As they grow older, their connection to the first world goes stronger. In addition, they become more lustrious and vibrant in appearance. These fairy dragons hmm. gain an increasing amount of magical primal powers. Uh, it goes on to talk a little bit about that. Fairy dragons don't grow larger, regardless of how powerful they become. So Those cool. who would oh, seek perfect. to torment or vex these fairy dragons would well consider this, as it's often <laughs> difficult to tell how powerful one of these tiny dragons truly is at a glance. That's, oh, I love geez. it. Adorable. So it's like, this could be it. a great worm fairy dragon, but it's still the size of a cat. So <laughs> you don't it. really <laughs> know how powerful this thing is. You're going to stop me, Pipsqueak? Oh, God, he's stopping me. No. Oh, yeah, they murder you real good. I love that this one... Uh, hordes instruments that it doesn't know yeah. how to play, oh, like yeah. just instruments yeah. in general. Yeah. It's very cute. Yeah, because well, they still have the obsessive hoarding thing that dragons mm -hmm. do, but uh, in their case, it does bring up that fairy dragons oftentimes hoard things that hoard things or locations sometimes. Huh. Well, that makes sense with the thrashing badger and then moving on to clinch jaw. Yeah. Yeah. They like taverns. Uh, also, apparently practice uh, uh, landscaping because it does specifically bring up that they'll sometimes like carve bushes into the shape of dragons and things like that <laughs> by biting Whoa, off branches. Like That's amazing. Yeah, so apparently oh if you gosh. if you're like wandering through the forest and you show up and there's like weird uh, there's weird topiary and all the rest of that around, it's like this might be a fairy dragon lair. That's awesome. Okay, squad goals. We need to get ourselves a mansion and have 
Vendelfeck do all of our landscaping. I mean, I'm here for it. Yes, the I, broke I, college know. student is down for this idea. Yeah, yeah the broke professor. I, can that is the only place mansion. I can think of where topiaries make sense. Like, it doesn't make sense anywhere else but a like lush mansion. You realize that Nicolo currently lives in like a half studio, right? I have a tiny <laughs> courtyard. It could, I could fit one plant. We left off that episode promising Vendelfeck that we would go to the ruins of the Thrashing Badger and try to find as many of his musical instruments for him as we True. could. Yes, we're going mm-hmm. swimming. Adria's very excited. Cesare is not. Um, yep. Seems right. <laughs> it's like, what, what, what is swimming? Is swimming is uh, athletics? Athletics. athletics. Oh, I'm yeah. not good at that, so I'm not, Lucia won't be looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I believe uh, Vittoria had already been interested in going there anyway, because I think that was part of her wanting to research all the places burned down during the Night of Ashes. True. Yes. Right, yeah. She keeps reports on everything. You guys just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Vendelfeck did tell us that the Hell Knights came and boarded the place up from the outside and set it on fire. Yeah. Mm, they are efficient. <laughs> okay, so Vittoria gets sick. We bring her soup. We go to her room. Vittoria is like stream boards and also very <laughs> orderly like file folders, just like tons of them. I would also point out that I have stated on numerous occasions she writes in code, so good luck. Well, we're not going to read it. We're just going to be like, ah. We're going to marvel at how much you've written in code. Yeah, we don't care about what it says because none of us, well, the professor might want to know, but the rest of us aren't particularly like readers or whatever. Scholarly. <laughs> I, I like the idea that, uh, yeah, I like the idea of the spinoff series, which is like Vittoria Ace Detective with like, Niccolo being the uh, the, <laughs> the plucky sidekick, the equivalent secretary. <laughs> yes! Yes! A, I like it. Yeah, yes, I need this. <laughs> it's that whole uh, like when they did the, the female versions of Ghostbusters and then had um, uh, Chris, Chris Hemsworth oh, yeah, 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 yeah. come in as the secretary, as the exactly yeah. like that. That was pretty great. That I, look, was pretty I, great. I, I do look forward to the artwork of Niccolo playing the sax. I mean, considering I, I, I will say, just me personally, I love who you picked for your character, Matthew McFadden, because he was mm. in Pride and Prejudice, which I have watched yeah. probably over a thousand times. Yeah. Since That's fair. <laughs> All right. But we do have some emails. Our right. uh, awesome. first email is from Jim, also known as Yojimbo, and he didn't hey. give us a place oh, where I he lives, that. but it's probably Pewson. Um, he says the Sodden Lands. Yes, yes. Oh, Lands is yeah, correct. So I was just going to be like, somewhere hot and wet. Like, well done. Yeah. yeah. He says, hi, Pathfolk. Comic Palooza is coming to Houston in July Ooh. the 17th and the 18th. Um, awesome. I think the Houston Pathfinder Society will have lots of games. Um, if you think it's safe to travel and play in person, it should be a good show. If you're interested incoming i can introduce you to the venture captain of our area maybe you would be interested in some kind of charity event we would love to have you down in the sodden lands jim we know what houston is mm, yeah. oh, it's true i came up believe yeah. you nailed that so good yeah unfortunately uh making it down to houston would be difficult for us to do right now yeah, um, it's however, time off and... yeah, but I, I did want to include this on here to give a shout out to anyone that is in the Houston area and does want you to go can, over there because yeah, I think that that would Comic be great Palooza if you feel and, and hook up with the Pathfinder Society. Of course, if you feel safe for that, uh, I'm curious whether or not that they're doing anything online as well, as far as like online tables and all the rest that is concerned. Maybe look into that. Unrelated to Jim's email, we are an official Pathfinder Lodge now. So oh, hey. if you come to our Discord, you can play official Pathfinder Society Lodge games. So that's cool. pretty cool. So shout out to our friends down in Houston and the uh, the amazing mm-hmm. Houston Pathfinder Society Lodge. So I'm glad that you guys are doing such good work down there. 
and maybe next year. I would love to make that a thing next year. Unfortunately, this year yeah. is not in the Haro cards. <laughs> also really love the name Yojimbo. That's great. Um, our second email is from Brian in Wellington, New Zealand, a.k.a. Jalmaray. Nice. Excellent. Hey, Brian. Awesome. Ooh, Jalmaray. Um, I like it. I want to go to Jalmaray. Uh, yeah, yeah. New Zealand. <laughs> he says, hi, I'm Brian in Wellington, New Zealand, and involved in the Today in Calarian Twitter account. Awesome. Uh, I really yes. enjoy that account. He says, you previously p- placed me in Jalmaray. So we did that, apparently. <laughs> Thank hey! you for remembering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I follow uh, Today in Galarian. I yeah. found some yeah. fun stuff on that. True. Nice. I saw a thing they posted uh, just today, I think, about uh, some sort of rebellion in Corvosa that uh, I didn't yeah, remember. Yeah, I have no idea what yeah. that's about. I like to retweet <laughs> things related to Mummy's Mask or Hell's yes. Rebels or yeah. uh, Tyrant's Grasp. But uh, Brian says, I really liked the descriptive introduction to Kentargo and Hell's Rebels. It was timely as the adventure path I'm running had the characters arriving there a couple of weeks after the pod was aired. One of the characters came from Kentargo, so it helped me develop some descriptions to help them see the differences between the time they left and the current conditions. Uh, Oh, that's cool. Nice. Yeah. In the future. (laughs) I am a fan of Pathfinder 2nd Edition as a GM, as it makes my job much easier. Some of the players in my gaming group felt burnt out with Pathfinder, so when 2nd Edition was released, I I formed a new group that plays in a bar on Tuesday nights with one of the players from my other game and a friend who expressed interest in being a player instead of GMing one of our other games. Uh, Forever GM. Uh, Yes. Apart apart from the strict level 4 and level 3 lockdowns of about 7 weeks, we have met in the bar since August of 2019. I don't know if I could stay focused enough to play Pathfinder in a bar. Mm -hmm. Depends on the bar. Because some bars have like the the private little alcoves and stuff, so it may not be so bad. And it may just be chill, like maybe there's no loud music or anything playing, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Must be nice to be in New Zealand where... uh, you they didn't have out. to shut down everything. <laughs> yeah, right? not for more yeah. than, you know, a couple weeks a here weeks, and there. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes on to say, one of the things I really like with Mummy's Mask is how Rick gives options when a character tries to identify a creature. I've been trying to do something similar in second edition, but it needs some improvements. The players don't recall knowledge as often as I think they should, so giving them a choice lets them get more value for the encounter. Hmm. How do you suggest I do this better, and what options would you give the players? Same options, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I understand the issue between first edition, especially if go, coming from first edition to second edition, where recalling knowledge, quote unquote, on a monster in first edition is just, I see this thing, what do I remember about it? Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah, in second edition, you're actually having to, to use some of your action economy. Yeah. He does say, I'm reluctant to exclude resistances and weaknesses from the choice when the adversary doesn't have them because that is useful knowledge, but telling them the adversary has, for example, no weaknesses is, uns- is an unsatisfying use of recall knowledge. Uh, what mm, suggestions true. do you have that would work for both the GM and the players? I mean, I can tell you how I've seen it done um, on the Discord and how I've done it on the Discord is um, you get some generic information and then if you succeed, you know, you get one piece of information, what do you want to know? And they can pick resistances or whatever. And if there aren't any, there aren't any, but they've gotten at least the generic piece first. What I've been doing with Hell's Rebels, and hopefully this has been working out for everyone so far, I have been typing up the results beforehand. Uh, if you go onto our Patreon at the $5 tier, we do have the first part of Hell's Rebels posted up. So you can actually see in the back where I've got the charts of identifying creatures and what you learn about them. I do love your charts. Thank you. I do love a chart. <laughs> and I try to look at it from a... I don't let people ask questions in 2nd edition. 
in large part because it's a secret check and I don't want people to necessarily know whether or not they succeeded or failed or how much they did so, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, because I mean, it can be kind of metagamey if you know like bit. certain, like the resistances a monster should have and then your character says, oh, it's weak to what it's resistant yeah. to. So, so to be fair, whenever I'm making these charts, I look at it and go, if I were a player, what would I most want to know? Hmm. And also I look at it as a, if this was a monster in the real world, fairy dragons, for instance. If people identify this, what's the thing that people are probably going to know the most about fairy dragons? They breathe euphoric gas. That's yeah. kind of a big flashy thing with fairy dragons. Whereas like knowing that they can do prestidigitation and tanglefoot as a spontaneous magic or whatever, a little less so. Yeah, I think if you want to incentivize people to make that check, though, you need to give them the agency to pick what they want to know or else they may be like, eh, I don't know. I don't really know if you'll give me something important, so I'm just going to not roll that check. The reverse of that is also true. If you always give them something important and you as the game master know that this is important information to them, then I think people would be more inclined to, instead of, you know, what he was saying where, okay, well, I asked about resistances and weaknesses and they don't have any. Whereas you could be like, hey, I know that this is the wizard identifying this, so he would probably want to know its resistances. Whereas, oh, the fighter is making a check to identify this, the fighter would probably want to know its damage reduction. And you can even use that as two different schools of thought, where a fighter researching things is not looking into, oh, well, what elements is this thing going to be resistant against? He's interested in, can I shoot it with this bow? Yeah. Whereas the wizard would have a completely mm -hmm. opposite approach to it. So I would suggest either pre-typed up stuff or just uh, you can let your players ask for it. And if it's something that they wouldn't learn anything, you can just find another thing for them to learn. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe, you know, they ask for something. It's like, well, they have no resistances, but you do know that they have like grab or something, you know, which yeah. may not necessarily be super important, but at least they learn something as opposed to nothing. Yeah. Well, it's um, like for fairy dragons, you can be like, well, they don't have any resistances, but on the defensive side, you do know that they can turn invisible. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be useful. Yeah. Because I think um, ultimately the goal is that you want to have something that they can use. And sometimes it's hard to know, especially like it's rare for me. But when I come across a monster that I don't know, it's hard to know what would be most important. Yeah. Like some monsters have like, well, in first edition, this is an example. But some monsters had like just flat damage reduction against everything. So, like, knowing yeah. that doesn't necessarily help me because it's like, well, there's nothing I can do to overcome it. So, eh? I mean, I, th I think it does give you the ability to know how to form a strategy, though, because, mm. like, otherwise what happens is you end up doing that first round feeler where it's like, all right, I hit the thing. It seems to do no damage when I do, like, eight points of damage. I've got to come up with a new idea. You kind of can jumpstart that by doing a knowledge check and saying, oh, I know that I probably won't have a good chance of, of damaging it. So, let so me I'll buff try. The fighter or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So mm. I'm going to try something else, do buffs or. I don't know. It's just so foreign to me that players don't want to make recall knowledge yeah, checks. It is weird, I'm just but... like, but I'm but like, what if but you have why? cool abilities and they take two actions and then you have a third action, you want to raise your shield. Like it's all like, there's a lot of hard choices. But I, I get that. But I mean, some of it I get, but I'm also like, Okay, the wizard cast a two-action magic missile and doesn't want to get close to the thing. Why aren't you recalling knowledge? You know what I mean? Everyone's I just... question would be, why aren't you using a three-action magic missile? Well, you know what but... I'm saying. But... <laughs> going off of what Jordan just said, I think that that's also very pertinent, is I think it's okay for the party to go first round of combat. We go all in with all of our cool special abilities, and then it's like, oh, well, you know, the wizard's fire spell didn't do as much as he thought, and this fighter's sword didn't do as much as he thought and so maybe the following round is when they'll bring in the maybe mm -hmm. just even reminding them it's like remember you can recall knowledge 
Yeah. You know, instead of wasting, you know, blasting off another, like, okay, well, let me try ice next. You can actually go, well, maybe I can remember something about this and know what elements will actually work against this. Yeah, because you really don't have that many spells in second edition if you're not casting a cantrip. And so wasting those sucks. Yeah, especially spellcasters should probably be recalling knowledge like their first action to figure out, you know, whether they're going to waste a spell. Also, just to reinforce this, don't hesitate to give your players the option to recall knowledge outside of combat. If they find tracks beforehand and they go, these Mm -hmm. look like the tracks of a lion, Mm -hmm. let them recall knowledge on a lion then. Yeah. So that when they get into the combat, they're they're already ready for it. I don't really think that it messes with the action economy too much, especially if you already yeah. have players that are disinclined to use that action in combat that are too worried about the action economy. And it, it is one of the challenges with second edition where you have the three actions. And for people that want to maximize the effectiveness of their turn, they're going to be inclined to try to use all three of those actions for something offensive or to even set up something soon. Yeah. So it's that uh, that idea that people are afraid to lose out on a third of their turn by mm-hmm. recalling knowledge and failing the check or something like that. I don't know. Like I said, that idea is just so foreign to me. Well, it's, yeah. it's not how we play, but everyone plays a little yeah. differently. I know. Yeah. I just, but why don't you want to know the cool lore <laughs> stuff and what it can do? And well, sometimes you're playing a character who just, I don't have any knowledges really that are going to be helpful. Like I don't have any of those skills trained. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's always yeah. a thing. But well, yeah. No. I think that's neither here nor there, but... Yeah, that's just kind of also... Yeah, I, I can give you a direct example. Uh, Lucia is trained in religion, and that's it. So if it is arcana or nature or occultism, can't even roll for it, don't have any idea about well, it. I mean, technically, you can always roll for it. I mean, yeah, it, I guess but... technically I can roll for it, but I'm going to be rolling with a zero, you know? Yeah. But it's like, that's not an area that she has shown interest in enough There's to get There's a 20 on it. every dice, Jordan. There's a one, too. Not when I roll them. Technically, you're not rolling those. <laughs> Rick is... I guess that's a fair point. Rick is rolling those. <laughs> the beauty of second edition is is that, you know, you could then get into an argument over whether Vindelfleck is a fairy dragon or a pseudo dragon and what's mm. the difference between the two. Because that's what happens <laughs> if you critically fail identifying Vindelfleck. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he's a pseudo dragon. Uh, I'm not. That's why I thought he was at yes. first. I, I thought that as well, yeah. yeah. As but. a fun side note, pseudo dragons now called house drakes. Pseudo dragon was like super it. fun, though. No, they're both fun. Uh, but Brian signs off, just signs off with regards, Brian. So I hope we were kind of able to, to give Brian. you some good advice about the knowledge yeah. checks. Thanks for reaching mm-hmm. out, Brian. Our next email is from Corey in Wisconsin, and he has placed Hello. himself in Ayadara in Keonan. Oh, so, okay. Huh. Nice. Yay, elves. Nice. There's an elf has there. some really good cows that make really good fancy cheese. <laughs> right? Mm, yeah. yeah. These are the cheese elves, so that makes but sense. I mean, they have the time and the yes. patience to make the best cheese. These are elves, so they do need fancy cheese to go with their fancy elven wine. Exactly. So. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I will accept nothing yes. less. A 2,000 year old brie. <laughs> Corey says in ways this letter is for all of your content but the rumor mill felt like the best place for this I just wanted to say thank you for putting yourselves out there for the world to listen to prior to the pandemic I listened to quite a few different podcasts and actual plays over the course of the last year I found myself having to trim out several of the actual plays I had been listening to I found the more antagonistic dynamic between the GM and players of some of these shows caused me anxiety and stress Mm. I, I could mm. feel that. Yeah. 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 
All, the, all this to say that I really appreciate your friendly dynamic. Even when characters' lives are at risk or you're frustrated by some element in the game, it's clear that you're just a bunch of friends having fun around a table, figuratively speaking. Oh, yeah, you. I guess we like each other and get along. It's a virtual table sure. now. Yeah, it's <laughs> still, yeah. still a table. <laughs> and do things with each other outside of this podcast. I guess yeah, I like that's people. the real testament is we don't just like do the podcast and it's like, all right, guys, I'll see you all next week. It's like, no, we're still like we're texting each other. And like, oh, yeah. I always send like Heather, like weird uh, panda related things because she loves pandas. Yeah, he does. And it cheers me up. I certainly understand that where um, I find that my what podcast that I want to listen to changes with my mood. And so I can certainly understand, you know, if you're under more stress, wanting something that uh, I think would be provide a relatively stress free environment. Uh, Tyrant's Grasp may be somewhat I was gonna say, no, Yeah, Tyrant's, Tyrant's uh, Grasp is, uh, yeah. I don't know. We got some cliffhangers that are pretty intense in all the shows. Well, it's yeah. every show but this one, I guess, right now. Not yet. We will get them. I understand that for some game masters, the antagonistic relationship is something that they, they like to encourage. And I'll even dip my toe into it from time to time with teasing Jordan about his dice rolls or, you know, anything, <laughs> anything like that. Usually it, it tends to be teasing Jordan because Jordan takes it with a laugh. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. Uh, everybody teases me because I can take it. We don't have a us versus Rick mentality. No, no, no not at all. Yeah. I want to I want to tell this story and therefore I don't want all of you to die. Just just some of us. Just the players' uh, characters, really. Just a significant, uh, a significant enough number of us to die. I, I want to put you in enough mortal peril that it, the adventure itself does not lose interest. Mm. Yeah, you feel uh, like you accomplished something. But something. I'm, I'm not going to mock you for you know making a bad roll or anything like that. And I, I kind of encourage that for everyone, where it's, you know, it is a cooperative game and everyone is coming there for fun, and then you never know what's going on with someone's life, mm-hmm. and so it's always a good yeah. idea to be considerate of of what they may be dealing with right now. And then some days they may be fine with getting into it with you and being antagonistic. And then some days it may be better for them to just have a, I'm going to get together with my friends and my character may potentially die because that's always an option. But at the same time, I know that I'm not going to have to deal with someone at the table being an issue. An option. He says like, it's a feature. Yeah. <laughs> I'll admit though, like if there was no chance of my character dying, I'd probably get bored pretty easily. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Like zero yeah. percent chance. Like nah. I'm like good. nothing ruins a video game more than like turning on God mode. Absolutely <laughs> ruins a game. You can Unless never. Yeah. <laughs> video games are different. I'm cool with playing story mode. I always stand by the idea that you cannot succeed if there's not a chance of failure. But that doesn't mean that we have to be necessarily mean about it. You know. Oh no. Right. Oh yeah. I can't imagine Ross as an antagonistic GM. Oh, but. that'd be so weird. We would know immediately <laughs> okay, it was a doppelganger. We would know he's a doppelganger. It would uh. be much easier for us as players to bully Ross when he's the GM. <laughs> like, gosh, you're making me sad. You're not no, wrong. the Bizarro World version where, like, I have a beard and Ross and uh, Rick are beardless. That's the, like, the evil version of us all. Like, that would be exactly I just have a soul patch. Ross, Ross and Rick are beardless, but everyone else has a beard. the ladies. Hey, yeah. Oh, I'm Captain Kirk. Corey goes on to say, I've been listening since shortly after the announcement of your association with Paizo, and I'm very glad to have added you to the list of my shows. Well, thank you. Thank Thank you. you. That's awesome. Yes, very much. Thanks. They go on. Anyway, I will sign off here saying, Rachel, you are not alone. I, too, like the movies (laughs) Waterworld and The Postman. Uh, (laughs) There's just another one coming out of the woodwork. I recently told Rachel that uh, anytime somebody mentions Waterworld to her, it's like she's getting a birthday wish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kinda. 
<laughs> You're not alone. We have one more email from Jason cool. L. in a small town in central Illinois, not Chicago, apparently. All right. Hey, Big Jason. Not letters. Chicago. Not Chicago. Okay. Well, I mean, Chicago's <laughs> northeast Illinois anyway, yeah. so, yeah. Okay. Illinois. Uh, off of the... The big lakes, no, the big lake there, uh, Superior there, so that would be uh, well, maybe somewhere north. No, well, I'm just saying uh, somewhere near. He's, he's in, in Carthen, central, maybe. or there, he's in central Illinois. What's yeah. on that side of Is Lake Carthen like, that's like the opposite of the Tyrant? You know, like that other side. I like the opposite Five side Kings of the Mountains. Yeah. Uh, Is there anything? Isker. Keonan's not too far because you fall down that river and you. Get down towards Keonan. Rasmarin is near there, but oh yeah. no, that's so mean. Yeah, no. Where, uh, what is, where where did the prophets of Kelstrate come from? Oh, Thune. That's uh no. I don't know, but they're really into cleanliness. Druma. That's what I was looking for. Druma. Yeah, that's, that's it. fun. Let's do that. Yeah, let's do Druma. Hope you like capitalism, son. <laughs> it's here. The capital is Kirs. Prophet's home. Sure. Mm. Weird. And Petalgate's there. Pedalgate's fun. Pedalgate, Pedalgate. Yeah, that sounds yeah, fun. All right, so Jason from Pedalgate and Druma writes, Howdy, everyone. Howdy. 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 <laughs> I just want to start by saying that out of almost two dozen podcasts I listen to, Find the Path and Find the Path Presents are my top two favorites. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Yay. Yay. Thank you. Not only your firm grasp on the rules, but I also love how n- no one complains when the rules don't work out for what they want to do. They just find another <laughs> oh. approach. Oh, yeah. everything is so good. You just uh, yeah, made that hear is it. Real nice, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> you will never see us rules lawyer. Well, you won't see us rules lawyer because it gets edited out. But you will never see us rules lawyer harder than when we are in peril. Oh no, mortal <laughs> peril brings out my, my rules lawyer. Absolutely. <laughs> like I'm gonna throw this out there, not to be an antagonistic GM. It's a lot of times Jessica. It's a lot of times me. <laughs> it is a lot of times. I tend, to, I tend to edit out all of the, Jessica, what do you do? Well, I want to do this spell, and I think this is the way that this works. That's not the way that that works, Jessica. Well, this spell is worthless, and I hate it. <laughs> yeah, yes. Like, all right. <laughs> snip, snip, I have a snip, lot of the uh, feelings uh, about rules when they're my way. Uh, Jason says it's chaotic, okay? I'm not as vested in the Hell's, Rebel char- Hell's Rebels characters I, as I am in the Mummy's Mask as of yet. Not as many episodes. episodes. Yeah. 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 You got time. A little bit. You got time. <laughs> but I'm more vested in the story as we had to stop at book four due to changes for our DM. Aw, uh, that sucks. Uh, gotcha. yeah. yeah. That's unfortunate. I, we unfortunately had to stop in book four of uh, Strange Aeons. Strange Aeons. It was definitely. Someday we'll finish it. Well, someday we'll finish it. I'm still wanting us to pick that up and finish it at this point. Patreon stretch goal. Hey. <laughs> Join us as we jump into book four. Book four. <laughs> yes. I really like my no, 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 no. Hear me out. We do one of those things where it's like the YouTube video where they just sum up like everything that came before. Like, hey, you didn't have to play all these God book. of Wars, but here's the new one. It tell, just tells you everything you need to know, and then we play. You get to see me play a very angry character. My character. She in that. reads a lot of romance novels, but she's also a hell knight. It is what it yeah, is. Yeah, it is what it is. Jason goes on to say, I love the way the city of Kentargo already feels like a living, breathing place, and your characters feel like puzzle pieces that fit right into it. I also like hearing Ross fit right in, and it sounds strange to not hear him in Mummy's Mask now. Yeah, we we agree. Yeah, Yeah, we we agree. (laughs) We we absolutely agree, yes. Darn your work schedule, Ross. Yeah. Yeah. Patreon's (laughs) cool. (laughs) <laughs> Patreon stretch goal. Ross Anything quits his job. possible with Patreon stretch goals. 
<laughs> I don't understand how Patreon stress to stretch goal enough money for Ross to quit his job. I mean, no, I, no, I don't it's know. not about the money. It's just <laughs> Ross will quit his job. He's entered <laughs> a strange contract. Ross. Just, Ross is willing to make the sacrifice. <laughs> uh, Jason does have a couple of questions for us. His first awesome. question is. Have any of you looked much into the Distant Shores addendum? If so, what area is most interesting to you? The analogs for ancient Greece and feudal Japan seem really interesting and full of possibilities. Yeah, ancient Greece is cool. I am familiar with the Distant Shores stuff, and the, uh, uh, yeah, Iblidos is one of my favorite areas, period. I desperately want them to do an adventure path that's actually set there because it's... I don't know, like, the, the, the Grecian history is so fun and intriguing to me, and I think it's just my personal love of the ancient world, where mm. uh, that's one of the things that drew me to Mummy's Mask, and so yeah. doing an adventure path set there in the, the God, what do they call it? Something like the Land of a Thousand, uh, no, heroes? the Land of a Thousand Gods is Fudra, but it's something like mm. the Land of Heroes or something like that, because they've got so many, basically, mythic people. Yeah. yeah. All those demigods, yo. Zeus is, you know, out there cavorting. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Zeus needs a restraining order, but... On everyone. <laughs> Sorry, I wish yeah. the were on him. Yes. At the very least. <laughs> like, I need fiction to stop making Hades the bad guy. Yeah, Hades like, is chill. Zeus is obviously the bad guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> By the way, go read Lore Olympus. It's amazing. Okay. Uh, Lore World. I can't remember if it's in Distant Shores or not. I think it might be. But the uh, the southern the nation in the southern portion of Garoon, which currently skips my mind, but it's the home nation for the Catfolk. Like I've always been really interested in in that land. They, I think it was first hinted at when they were talking about the uh, what is it, the field of Holomog? Is that what you're talking about? It might be. Uh, and of course, Arcadia, which I believe is also mentioned yes. in uh, Distant Arcadia. Shores. But yeah, is anywhere really. Uh, while I'm not tired of the inner sea, I love the expanded world outside of it. Sarusan. So. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Jason's second question is: Are there any plans to run homebrew content set in Galarian? We don't We've, tend to do a lot of homebrew. We ran a single homebrew thing for PaizoCon. We've actually yeah. run two. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because my uh, yeah. addendum through um, Darkmoon Vale took us to, uh, yeah. was actually a homebrew thing. And then Rick's done a little bit of homebrew with the Fate of Tale stuff for Mummy's yeah. Mask. Yeah. But, so we do it every once in a while, but like we a dabble. big, long like thing like Mummy's Mask that's completely homebrew. I don't really see us doing something like that. I greatly respect people that do homebrew. Yes. And mm-hmm. from a, oddly from a, a business standpoint, as far as you know, my thought process on uh, on producing podcasts are concerned, I feel like for a lot of people, there's a certain security in, an, in a podcast doing an adventure path, because mm-hmm. at the very least, you know somewhat of what you're getting. If you sign up for a podcast that is completely homebrew, especially if it's a brand new one, you don't really know what you're getting or what the settings like or what it's all, everything else is established. Whereas if you're signing up for something that's like, okay, this is mummy's mask. I kind of know what mummy's mask is about or hell's rebels. For instance, I know what hell's Mm -hmm. rebels is about. I would expect there to still be homebrewy stuff where I expand on stories or even make side Mm -hmm. stories for things. Uh, Again, I've threatened to return to that in mummy's mask at some point sometime soon. And of course, I'm sure it'll be touched on in a, a number of other facets as we progress. I'm a little uncomfortable by the fact that you said you threatened to go back. <laughs> like, we're mm. going to not like it. <laughs> I guarantee nothing. Homebrew is also so time consuming. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a time thing the, for sure. With the recording and uh, the recording takes a lot out of all of us. And then Rick has the extra editing. 
and then have us having to sit down and do homebrew stuff as well. Rick would just sit Explode. at his computer all day long, every day. <laughs> I was going to say, he'd be getting bed sores from all goal. the sitting. Uh, no, as you're <laughs> toe, I would like to actually, I don't know, have time with you. Just keep saying Patreon stretch goals. Patreon stretch goal has lost all meaning at this point. Again, yeah. anything's possible with Patreon stretch goals. <laughs> but uh, including like a bending of time and space, apparently, for all this time. <laughs> Make a time uh, turner. $75,000. Uh, <laughs> oh my god, Rick. I mean, People I, are going I, to believe you. <laughs> if they want to re-up and, uh, and up their, their Patreon support, I'm more than happy to figure out something. I don't know if, we're, if we can lie about making a time-turner, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it doesn't say I have clock? to make it, it just says I have to try. <laughs> oh, okay, fair <laughs> Well, that's a caveat then, there we go. There's an asterisk, <laughs> it's just like a replica. Yes. <laughs> I'll just keep emailing Neil deGrasse Tyson until he gets back to me on it. Time Tyson <laughs> might not actually work. Uh, no, I'll invite Neil deGrasse Tyson for an actual play because that oh, guy's hey. that guy's a lot oh, of fun. That would be, be so amazing. great. See, we could get him, yeah. Colbert, Joe Manganiello, and Vin Diesel. That yep. would be so awesome. That'd be an all-star cast. We'd collapse right the space-time continuum just with that level of nerdum. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. you'd, yeah. you'd, you'd oh, and uh, Henry Cavill. And Henry Cavill. Yeah, Henry Cavill. Yes. Can't believe I forgot Henry Cavill. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, these people totally listen to us. Oh my god. You never know. I mean, I appreciate having a player that you can cut glass with his jawline. Uh, (laughs) Ah, you just say my jaw's weak, Rick? Well, (laughs) I like the. You can't see mine, it's under all the fluff. Same. Wow. But, uh, okay. So this kind of went off the rails, but yes. Yeah, so when, when did these ever stay on the rails? <laughs> there will there will be pockets of homebrew, but not like a full yes. on AP type yeah. story. That's homebrew. I have enjoyed making homebrew games in the past. Like oh, yeah. I mean, I've made um, everything from a D twenty apocalypse game that lasted for like two years um, to you know D and D stuff and. It's just, yeah, I don't, and I know that we've already talked about that, that, you know, it's just, it's hard to do and hard to do well. Yeah. Well, the other thing is Galarian is such a cool setting. True. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do really that like Even the homebrew Galarian. would be in Galarian because Galarian's great. And yeah. I do like all of the adventure path writing and all that. Like, it's great. Like, I'm loving this adventure right now. Mm-hmm. We've already paid that licensing agreement. We're using it. Also true. <laughs> <laughs> also that. <laughs> Jason signs off sincerely, Jason L. Oh, thank you, Jason. Thank you, Jason. Great questions. Yeah, good questions. Mm -hmm. That was our last email for this rumor mill. I think we had some really good emails in there. I think we had some really good questions there. That was a lot of fun. Keep sending them, everybody. So I have a question for Rick. What are we we trying to do next? Um, For those of us that uh, may not have remembered the end of last episode, as well as I would like. I mean, as well as they would like. (laughs) Who is not me? <laughs> I'm asking for a friend. I swear. Yes. I mean, I, I think I think that there's a date coming up. Uh, yeah. Mm. As far as Cesare is concerned, we I are think, all mm. going on the date. No, you are not all <laughs> going on the date. Oh my god! We send our silver raven right. to follow you. So Nicolo's going to run interference for Cesare and just be like, "No, leave him alone." I'm even debating whether or not I'm bringing Raven on the date. Y'all definitely yeah. aren't coming if the familiar's not coming. I don't think you even told us you had a date. So no, that's true. That's so true. No, we don't know. Cesare is a very private person. Cesare knows better. I wouldn't even necessarily (laughs) consider this, especially because of uh, how nebulous some of these are. You have Mm. completed two of the missions for part two Mm. out of the seven missions that you have to complete. Oh. Mm. Okay. So 
there's still a lot more waiting in the wings, some of which has been foreshadowed, some of which has not. Obviously, the most important thing is Cesare's date. <laughs> that's yeah. did bring that's it up like first. mission uh, Zero. beta, I don't know. <laughs> mission one half. It's it's the ultimate side mission. <laughs> yep. That's, that's where we dispatch the Bravo team and then the Alpha team to make up for the Bravo team and they never come back. Uh, <laughs> wait! Don't go! <laughs> well, we take the we, yes. we send the Fuji sisters. The Fuji sisters set up the date area. You know, they plant a cache oh if you God. need like mount wash or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I, want a, wow. I want a team to go for and just plant random bundles of cash for me to pick up. Cesare's just like, yep. hey, is there something you guys aren't telling me? <laughs> I just seem to find like. I was thinking of getting flowers, and then I found flowers. Mm. And I was thinking of wearing a new perfume or cologne, and here's a cologne just appeared. Yep. Yeah. Kick, kick in the background, little mermaid music with Kiss the Boy. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Little, anyway. Little fairy dragon. Little fairy dragon. Do a little yes. thing. You are both very confused. She just like, gets too excited and, like, breathes on you. Yep. Cesare's brushing his hair with a fork. 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 Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I suppose I before this spirals too far. Yes, definitely need this fan art. Uh, thank you yes. all once again for continuing to listen. Uh, I have some very exciting things on the way, especially uh, mm. is that mission three? It might be mission seven. One of the ones coming up I'm very excited for, and I've spent oh, a lot dear. of time uh, messing around with. Uh, that so. always makes me nervous because that means we're all going to die. <laughs> oh god oh god we're all gonna die <laughs> thank you pathfinders for joining us this week and uh, we will see you back for the continued adventures of the silver ravens until <laughs> next time good thanks luck, everybody Pathfolk. good luck pathfinders find the path ventures is an officially licensed partner of paizo incorporated hell's rebels is copyright 2015 hell's rebels and the pathfinder adventure path are trademarks of paizo all Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission. Find the Path Ventures have converted Hell's Rebels from Pathfinder to Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Conversion notes are available to our Patreon backers at patreon.com backslash findthepath. <laughs>